Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Jerry's over there eating some soup and crackers, which means this is Stuff You Should Know. Yeah, Jerry's following too close. Yeah. Well, she's sitting down at a desk, so it's okay. <laughs> it's dangerous to eat soup and crackers right on someone's bumper. Right. You could set somebody off, and they may go crazy on you and shoot you. That's right. Um, I would like to just, uh, right off the bat, say that in Chuck's book, Driving, there are three kinds of drivers. Okay. <laughs> I thought about this. Uh, there are good drivers. Okay, that's me. Which are generally just capable, confident. You make mistakes, but you're just in control of your vehicle, defensive driving. That's me. There are bad drivers. That's me. Uh, nervous drivers. You know, have you ever been in a car with someone that just doesn't feel confident behind the uh, wheel? No, this is not me. That's the worst. Yeah. It's scary. Sure. Well, it's not the worst, actually. That's coming. Okay. But uh, also people who are just in their own, like I say they have their heads up their fannies. Uh-huh. Fannies. I say that a lot in traffic. Yep. Get your head out of your fanny. Right. <laughs> Uh, so that counts as a bad driver, just in your own world, basically not even thinking that there are other people around you. That is still the second one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not number two. And then the third is uh, jerks. That's me. And I think jerk. I think we can reach people in the first two categories with this read of this uh, podcast. Yeah. I, you can't reach jerks. I don't know, man, because I definitely consider myself a jerk in traffic. Um, you can't reach jerks. And and this reached me in a lot of ways. Uh, well, then you're not a jerk, because jerks are ones who are like feel completely justified to like get up in front of someone and slam on the brakes if the, as punishment. That is a jerk. So I wouldn't slam on my brakes. That's just stupid and juvenile. Yeah. But I would go around somebody who cut me off and maybe cut them off. Really? Which would make me a jerk, right? That makes you a dangerous driver. Okay, well... I agree, and I realize that that being a dangerous driver is a really stupid, dumb thing to do. Yeah. And this article, like I was already on the road. Yumi hates the way I drive a lot of times, yeah. right? <laughs> so she's got me on a short leash as far as driving goes. Sure. Um, and so, like, I'm already in the mindset. But then reading this article helped drive it home even further. Like, yes, this is really stupid. The thing that that the light bulb that went on over my head was. Like, if you drive aggressively, mm-hmm. it's bad enough, right? It can be dangerous. It just takes a very stressful situation. It makes it worse for yourself and everybody. Yeah. But then one thing I hadn't considered is you might run afoul of somebody who is like a genuine psychopath Yeah. that will run you off the road and kill you. Yeah. Or, it or, actually or pull happens. a weapon on you and try and shoot you. Right. There's a, there's a video, a cell phone video of a guy who was driving and... There was a guy road raging next to him or whatever, and the guy was just filming him. And in the film, the guy pulls out a gun. Wow. And all of a sudden, a puff of gray smoke comes out of the end of the gun that's being pointed at the guy <laughs> shooting the video who's driving in I the other car. I think that means it's been fired unless that gun just burped. Right. That guy was a doctor in Kentucky, the guy who shot at the other dude. So... um you never know who you're going to run afoul of. And that was one thing I hadn't considered that now I'm like, oh, yeah, I should probably add this to the pile of reasons why I shouldn't drive like a jerk. Well, and here's my caveat here is I think that any of those three drivers I, c- I described can be you can be any of those given certain circumstances right, on sure. any given day. Sure. But what I mean by jerks are people that are just they're out of the car. They're jerks. Personality wise, they're jerks. Right. And that's just who you are. And that's not who you are. Thanks, man. Yeah. I was just about to put you on the spot, but you took the initiative. How about that? So uh, this is written by Jonathan Strickland of Tech Stuff. Who ironically does not have a driver's license. No, he doesn't drive. But, and you can tell that Strickland wrote this because he talks a lot early on about how dangerous and stressful driving is and how basically you could sort of extrapolate, you're a fool if you drive a car. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, that's why I don't. <laughs> right. And... um Road rage. What we're talking about here is um, it's a of a fairly recent provenance, which means it's kind of one of those um, like since cars have been around. Yeah, but <laughs> even more recent than that. Sure. As far as the, as far as I can tell, they've um, traced the origin of the term back to only 1988. 
Oh, wow. And it didn't really become like a nationally renowned thing until the 90s. Um, And there was this this idea that there was an epidemic of road rage going on. I think a lot of people still suspect that there's plenty of road rage, but you don't hear the word like epidemic used any longer as much. I think now everybody just calls it driving. Yeah. But the, it's it's also contextually bound, right? Yeah. There's not like a strict definition of it. No, but you also you can't have road rage without having a car. And the the more and more I looked into this, more and more I realized that road rage is not. You can't just extrapolate it onto other conditions. It is a very unique, very specific type of mental malady, basically. Yeah, agreed. You know, like yeah, because like, people behave in their car, and we see this over and over when they talk to psychological experts or psychologists um, <laughs> that it it's you behave in your car much differently like the things you would do in a car right you would not think of doing like in an elevator yeah the car bestows on you a sense of um, not invincibility but there's a, a little bit there's like you can see the other person but there's a barrier between yeah. you and that person that gives you the confidence and the arrogance to be like here's my middle finger. Yeah. Whereas, like like you said, if you were in an elevator with somebody, that? you would not do the same thing. I said floor two. Get your head out of your fang. <laughs> uh, middle finger. Right. So the car <laughs> sets you up for a certain sort of um, psychological aggressiveness. Right? Yeah, it's become okay. But it's also, also when you're in a car, you're almost always plopped into a set of stressful circumstances. Yeah. And so all of this together leads to a uh, the potential for road rage to just kick in. Yeah, well, there's uh, someone, and boy, what a name, uh, Dr. Leon James um, studies this a lot, and he is even known as Dr. Driving, because he has been an expert witness to Congress on traffic psychology. That's all it takes to get a name like Dr. Driving. I bet he never gets honked at with that vanity plate in traffic, <laughs> right. Dr. Driving. So um, he believes, and I tend to agree with him, that uh, one of the big causes of road rage isn't too many people or traffic or whatever, but the way our culture views aggressive driving. Yeah. And he pointed out that children who see their parents are nice and sweet folks. Mm-hmm. When they get in a car, they see them driving aggressively and yelling things and saying things. And this brings kids up with this idea that, wait a minute, when I'm in this weird tin can on four wheels or when my parents are, their personality changes. Yeah, I get to flip the bird at people. Yeah, and it's fine. You can yell, scream, and cuss. Would never do that in real life. Right. But, um, so children see this and then it becomes, or if you just watch TV or movies, you know, aggressive driving is, uh, is the norm. Yeah. Have you ever seen the transporter? <laughs> yeah. Or bullet? <laughs> yeah. Or fast and furious 12. Or the best car chase ever. Blues Brothers. Ooh. That's a tough one. Uh, no, that's it. That's the one. That's tough. That's the one. Fridge connection? Oh. Ronan? Go to sleep. No? Better than the Blues Brothers? Are you kidding? <laughs> there, there, there have been, that's a, there's just some great car chases. So, so you've got, you have children seeing, um, their parents acting hostily and aggressively in the car, learning that, right? Yep. You have, like you said, fast driving being glorified to a certain degree. Sure. And then also, uh, it's married with this idea that was around for a very long time. Our friend Sigmund Freud yeah. came up with this, um, that if you have some sort of base emotion like anger or whatever, it should be it should be vented. Yeah. And that's not the case they're finding. There's this thing yeah. called catharsis theory that um, if you have that basically is what I just said, that. Like if you if you're frustrated, you just shout and like bang on your steering wheel and you'll feel better. And studies have found that, no, actually, you're just practicing to be a better, better at being aggressive in real life. Right. Right. And that the supposedly the best way to do it is just ruminate on it. Just basically sulk until it goes away or uh, meditate. Sure. (laughs) A couple of other things that come into play are um, especially here in the United States. Um, a tendency to not back down uh, because that's cowardly. Right. We are taught to stand firm. And um, a sense of justice, is that's a big one for me. Well, plus also, um, all of that is, is psychological. You can take it even further down to the neurological and biological levels where when you are in a situation where you perceive that you are um, being 
encroached upon or threatened or something like that, yeah. your fight or flight syndrome is going to kick in. Sure. And you're going to react badly. You're going to have the opportunity to feel aggressive. Yeah. Because again, your flight aspect is probably diminished because you feel protected and separated from that driver by your car and their car. Yeah, like this is my area. So fight is probably going to be the one that kicks in the most, yeah. right? And when that happens, anger kicks in and anger, as this article puts it, is a very seductive emotion. Yeah, that adrenaline, um, it might not feel good in the moment, but adrenaline, you know, it's a, it's a rush. And uh, yeah, it is seductive. People, I don't know if they seek it out, but um, when it happens, it's not like that felt bad. No, you're like, I feel like a million bucks. Yeah. I'm going to go tell my boss what's what. But the, and if you're kind of getting that, like this, this seems like something of a hodgepodge or a kitchen sink of like pop psychology. It, is. it very much is. <laughs> yeah. But I think one of the things that has kind of been pushed to the wayside is the idea that it, road rage is made up by the media or that it's, it is just nothing but pop psychology. No, no. It, it does appear to be a real thing. Sure. It's very situational and context specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, because it isn't fully understood, all of the mechanisms and processes, there's a lot of room for morning talk show uh, hosts to to interview fraudulent experts on it, and then yeah. that become fact or theory or whatever. Yeah, my my advice is to not watch those shows ever, unless we're on it. And two, um, if you need proof, look around, drive in a big city one day, and just do that for an hour. Right, and you will witness. Some kind of road rage. Well, I was re- I read this article from like the late 90s by this, I think, a sociologist or something. He was like, this is completely fabricated road rage epidemic. Road rage itself doesn't exist um, by what? by this guy. And the um, person crazy. who interviewed the guy went about just totally disassembling his argument. Yeah. The guy, he was like Strickland. He didn't drive. <laughs> Rode a train, admitted he'd never never experienced um, road rage or what it what it must be like or what people are saying is road rage, and he was just sure it didn't exist. What a dope! He did back it up a little bit with um, police reports and all that stuff, but no, uh, no, road rage definitely does exist. Yeah, it happens. So let's take a break, Chuckers, before we go on because I'm getting excited and I need to calm down. Okay. All right, I'm feeling calm. All right, good. Um, let's talk about a little bit about what, just what goes on in a typical incident. Uh, what you're looking at is usually an almost always an escalation, uh, a trigger and an escalation, uh, an aggressive action. Right. One person does something, someone else does something back, like a punishment, and it escalates from there. Uh, hopefully not too much, but like you said, it can lead to murder. Well, yeah, man, there's this, um, there's a guy out there who's called the, um, road rage killer has apparently killed oh, yeah. multiple people, including this guy, Timothy Davison, who was, um, who was chased for 15 miles in Maryland through Maryland and Pennsylvania. Crazy. Before the road rage killer forced him off the road and then got out and shot him to death while he was in his car. This person probably thinks they're making the roads a safer place. Right. I think they're also just a serial killer who has an unusual M.O. That too. Uh, So Dr. James, Dr. Driving, excuse me, he identified (laughs) a bunch of aspects of driving that that can contribute to this. And they all make sense. Uh, One is uh, immobility because you're you're stuck there. You can't like, you know, if you're at home and you're stressed out, you can go take a jog or something or go hit the boxing bag. Which has, again, been discounted. The heavy bag. Um, and it, when you're behind the wheel of a car, you can't do that stuff unless right. you have a, a speed bag like hanging in the driver's seat. <laughs> and then similarly, you're also feeling a sense of constriction, right? Like you're on the road and it's the open road and it's a big road, but I mean, really, it's just several feet across. Yeah. You got to stay on it. Yeah. You have to stay on it. You're You're boxed in. Uh, so that makes sense. Yep. Uh, lack of control. Even if you are one of the good drivers, like I mentioned, in control of your vehicle, you cannot uh, 
predict or have any control over the drivers around you or traffic right. or construction or weather or anything else that can add up to a cruddy commute. Right. And um, what's more, you don't have the option of just abandoning your car when traffic gets bad. So you are stuck. Oh, you can if you're Michael Douglas and falling down. Right, but that's what made that <laughs> act so radical and yeah. like kicked off and established his character. He just leaves his car yeah. in traffic. You, people don't do that, which contributes further to that lack of control. You're stuck there, whether you like it or not, unless you want to give up your car. That's right. For a lot of people, like the car is the, the most expensive possession they own, and so they're not going to abandon it. So that, to me, the lack of control, that is probably the most um, fecund situation or aspect of um, of of driving that can lead to aggression and hostility and stress is like yeah. you're – if you're if you need to be somewhere and you left in time and you made sure that you got up early and you got out there and everything's great on your end, but then you pull right into traffic yeah. and you know you're going to be late, well, that's ah. that's not fair. <laughs> yeah, it's not that's fair. When that starts. It's just, it's in, it's unjust. That's right. And it's everyone else in front of you's <laughs> fault. That's right. Uh, territoriality is a big one. Um, like I said earlier, this is our space. And if you fr- infringe upon that space, there's trouble. Uh, denial and loss of objectivity is a, a pretty obvious one because no one, it's never your fault. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's not you. It's the other jerk. Yeah. It's, although that's not true for me. I, I will, in case I do a bonehead move or when that happens, I'm always very quick to say I'm sorry. Well, but I will good. get very mad if they, they continue to yell at me. If I'm like, oh, I'm sorry about that. That was, you know, my fault. Right. And then they're still yelling at me. Oh, yeah. They've got a half oh, a second, yeah. right? Then, I, then I'm like, you know. They have a half a second to accept your <laughs> apology or ignore it. If they if they escalate, oh, yeah. it's on, right? Yeah. Like, what do you want to put me in stocks and flog me? Right. I'm saying I'm sorry here. And I do the same thing, Chuck. Like, if I do something stupid, like, I almost every time will be like, sorry. Throw the hand up. Sure. Mm-hmm. Just with, the with hand, all, five all fingers. fingers sticking up. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, unpredictability. Um, you never know what's going to happen out there, so that can make it stressful if you're not confident. Yeah, especially if you're not confident. I imagine that's a terrible way to drive. Uh, and then ambiguity. I never really thought about that, but um, Strickland points out there is no um, mutually agreed upon way to say you're sorry. I've always kind of thought it was... Throw the hand up and nod. The hand. And I think people are perceptive enough to tell when you're sarcastically waving. Oh, sure. Like when somebody wouldn't let you in even though you had your blinker on and <laughs> finally you're lot. like, I'm forcing my way in front of you. Yeah, yeah. And then you give them that sarcastic wave like, thanks so much. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm in front of you even though you didn't want me to. Yeah. I think people can distinguish between that wave and like a sorry, shoulders hunched, yeah. sorry kind of, I or the I appreciate it wave. It's a great one. You're up. Sure. You're waving. You're turning about in your seat. Maybe you turn your windshield wipers on and a salute to the people. Yeah. Just you can tell the difference. Yeah. You know, let let someone over. I found more and more people are uh, intentionally don't let people in. If someone's like, oh, I missed my turn. Such a jerk. Can I get in there? And people like what kind of psychopath, what kind of sociopath? Well, it's the same thing. It just depends on whether you. No, no, no. Uh, I could like, let you in, but I'm not going to do it. The roads are lousy with those people. And lousy. you know what? When I see somebody else do that, I'm just like, I'll be like, you piece of garbage yeah. to the person who wouldn't let the other person in. But then every once in a while, and I'm really shocked and dismayed when this happens, like um, somebody will be trying to like go ahead of me and I know they're going to get in front of me mm-hmm. and I'll like look down and I didn't realize it, but I've been accelerating Yeah. rather than just going the same speed I was before. Unconsciously, I'm like, Protecting oh, you're not space. getting in front of me. Yeah. So I'm like speeding up, and it's just such a horrible thing to do. Yeah. When I realize it, I'll I'll stop and let him go or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's almost unconscious sometimes. Some people you can tell that it's very much conscious. They're just oh, yeah. not letting the person in. Yeah. But I think sometimes it's also unconscious. Like people don't they don't want to be behind somebody. Yeah, and I'll also point out too that it. You know, you should let people over and stuff just to be nice and pay it forward. But, um, <laughs> yeah, forward. yeah. Did, why is that so funny? That you never movie heard that term? makes it funny. Oh, I didn't even see that movie. Oh. You know, that's a real term. That you wouldn't say, you wouldn't use that term if you'd seen the movie. <laughs> no. Um, but sometimes if someone has, you know, 
miss their turn and they're blocking an entire row of traffic that is trying to turn, mm-hmm. sometimes you just got to be like, you missed your turn. Like, take the right, turn around, right. And, and start over. Right. Like, there's 40 people behind you yep. that didn't miss their turn that yep. are trying to take that right. Man, totally agreed. And those people are like, nope. Yep, I'm just going to sit here. Or blocking the box at an intersection. Yeah, you just sets everybody back. Yeah, big fines in New York City. For not that. not Atlanta. It's a free for all here in Atlanta. Yeah. Anybody can pull into an intersection at any time and block as much traffic as they want. And yeah. it's partially um, the traffic planners are partially responsible for this, Chuck. There are plenty of dumb lights out there and dumb intersection systems sure. that need to be improved. But cities, one rule of thumb is fast. is you just you don't block the box. If everybody yeah. agrees not to block the box, then traffic will actually move a lot faster for everybody. Yeah, well actually take a step back. The real rule is don't enter an intersection if you cannot get completely through the intersection. Well, that's the thing. Don't block the box. Yeah, but sometimes people think like, oh, well, I think I see traffic moving. I'll just go ahead and get out there. Right. Then that light turns and then you're sitting in there like a jerk. What we need is just driverless cars. Do the thinking for <laughs> us. Or people without their heads up their fannies. Um, all right. So is it road rage? Is it aggressive driving? It's hard to determine that because... Um, you ask a hundred people and you're going to get a hundred different answers. Like some people say like, no, driving, driving 40 and a 30 is fine. That's not aggressive. Yeah. Supposedly 47% of Americans consider driving 10 miles an hour or more over the speed limit to be a type of aggressive driving. That's part of the problem is you have wildly different opinions on what aggressive driving is. Right. So, um... Not only do you have different opinions on what aggressive driving is, if even if people all agree, yeah, like tailing somebody is, is or following way too closely yeah. is aggressive driving. It is. I think pretty much everyone can agree on that. There's still no quantifiable way to say that. Is it like three feet? Is it a car length? Well, can, no. Can you judge rules. a car length? Like there's there are actual laws that say the amount of car lengths you're supposed to be behind someone. How many? Well, it depends on your state. What state? Georgia. Uh, well, I haven't taken the driver's test in 30 something <laughs> years. But, uh, if I remember, like, they teach you in driver's ed, like, two car lengths is safe unless, unless it's raining, and then you're supposed to increase it by one. But, I mean, there are rules. Okay. It's not just indeterminate. People don't follow them. No. But, like, that's where you'll get a ticket if you rear end someone. Right. Once you rear end somebody, but people very rarely get pulled over for f- just for following oh, too no. closely. Of course not, unless you're following a cop too closely. So, okay, agreed. Like people, there's no real definition necessarily of road rage. Although Strickland points out that there's a lot of people say what would constitute aggressive driving is road rage. Right. Um, and he kind of sticks to the definition of road rage is when aggressive driving triggers a situation where people are committing acts of violence against one another, either using their cars or because of their cars or around their cars. Yeah, I guess my definition would be more than one interaction. Like one person cutting someone off and like flipping a bird, not nice, but I don't know if that's road rage. But if then that person reacts to them back and you have a, 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 a situation going on between two people, mm-hmm. that's road rage to me. My definition of road rage is when you are, when something just sets you off and you go with it. Even if you're not like, even if the person doesn't see you or you're not trying to get the person to see you, but like you're pounding on your steering wheel because somebody cut you off or they didn't use their blinker or they're sitting there on their cell phone at a, a green light or uh. something like that. And you're, you're just that moment of, Basically, temporary insanity. Yeah, that can just be a one-off to me. It doesn't even have to necessarily overtly include two people. It can be one person being set off by the behavior of another person. Yeah, that to me is road rage. Yeah, I've I've gotten much worse. I have to admit about um, you know, when the light turns green, it used to be just a polite look, like someone doesn't notice, mm-hmm. just a little beep, the light screen. Yeah, but now the person is invariably looking down at their phone. And I don't just do a kind little beep anymore. Yeah. I give him a honk. And the other day, oh, man, I had a lady sitting at the green light 
on her phone texting. I could see her. I honked good at her. She flipped me off and continued, to, like, I'm going to finish my text. Oh, my God. Oh, dude, I had to, like, channel every, like, you know, Cat Stevens song on the planet <laughs> running through my head <laughs> to not go nuts. Yeah. Because I fall into the trap, too. I'm not perfect. I, I, was, I was so angry at the injustice of her being like, no, 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 I know it's green. Yeah. Shut up. I'm going to finish this text. Or similarly, I'll notice people who are um, it, not quite that hostile, but like you'll beep and they'll look up and they'll see like, oh, it's green. And then they're, they start to do both. Right. They're still on their phone, but then they start to yeah. drive, <laughs> like but they're going like a half a mile an hour and it's yeah. not that much better than flipping you off and yeah. sitting there continuing to text. At least that lady knew where she stood. Yeah. Maybe I should give her credit for just being herself. Yeah. You know? Um, all right. So Dr. Driving, um, he lists... <laughs> Some he divides aggressive driving up into three areas that I think are pretty uh, emblematic of what you see every day. Uh, there's impatience and in, uh, inattentiveness, which is sort of what I was talking about earlier. You're rolling through stop signs, you're blocking the box, you're uh, you're sitting there on your cell phone, you're speeding, um, you have your head up your fanny, or your your other excuses. I'm super late. I'm sorry, but I'm really late. Yeah, these are almost two. Two sides, two opposite sides of the same coin. Yeah. Um, but they are, they constitute Dr. Driving's lowest level of aggressive driving. Right. Or road rage, depending on your, your definition. Right. Don't, don't you find that a little disconcerting that after all these years, we still don't have a, a distinct definition for road rage? And that there's a guy named Dr. Driving at the vanguard of <laughs> the study of this? Yeah. Uh, all right, it escalates into number two, which is a power struggle. And this is big, you know, this is a big deal. This is when you are um, flipping someone off, they're flipping you off, you've rolled your window down, you're making that eye contact mm-hmm. that they don't recommend you make. Right. Um, I'm much more passive-aggressive. I never make the eye contact. Right. Do you, like, uh, scratch the side <laughs> of your face with just your middle finger? No, no. I don't do that. I don't flip anyone the bird. That's just... I'm just like, you never know who that person is. You know? Yeah. Like, I don't want to have someone run me off the road and try and kill me, basically. Right. See, that never even occurred to me. Uh, and I'm a passive-aggressive Southerner. Gotcha. That's really probably why. Um, tailgating people, cutting them off, um, acts of retaliation. And basically, he says that this is people with an unhealthy mentality when you think that you're the target of someone else. Like, that person is after me. Which right. can be the case. My That happens to me a lot. Like anyone who's driving slow in front of me in the fast lane is purposefully not getting over because they don't feel like they have to. <laughs> and it, it doesn't matter that I'm behind them. They, they just – they don't have to do it. They don't care. They, they're, it's their right to be in the fast lane just as much as mine yeah. even though they're driving slower. That is the, the one of the greatest challenges in my entire life is just – Dealing with the left that. lane, yeah, yeah, that's one of your big peeves. You know, Georgia has a law now where yeah. you can be fined for driving slow in the fast lane. Yeah, we uh, we actually talked about that on an episode, mm-hmm. and I think we were we were um, talking it up, and we got some mail from people like, "That's a ridiculous, dangerous <laughs> law." I'm like, "No, that's a great law." Yeah, our response to all of them were, "Get out of the left lane." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> problem solved. So that one's mine, where it's like I have to re- remember. There's nothing personal. And even if that guy is like, well, it's my civic right to be in the fast lane too, jerk. Uh, It has nothing to do with me. That person doesn't know me. It's not anything to do with my day. And um, I was reading this thing in Pacific Standard. Did you read that article? Yeah. It's called The Psychology and Biology of Road Rage. And they were talking about how it's um, potentially one of the, the things that people with road rage have is called intermittent explosive disorder, where you basically disproportionately rage uh, toward a stimulus, right? Yeah, to to any given stimulus. So they were saying, like, I got the impression, like, it's a bit of a stretch. They were saying that people with IED, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that if you have road rage, you have IED. Right. But they were saying that road rage could be a symptom of IED. But the thing that I got that's part of this uh, intermittent explosive disorder, the thing that stuck out to me was hostile, hostile attribution bias. 
Yes. That seems to come up a lot in road rage. Yeah, and I think, um, I, I guarantee you that's tied to narcissistic personality disorder. Oh, good. It just sort of goes hand in hand. Yeah. Um, basically, like, they're, the injury or threat is not an accident. It is purposeful um, and personal. Right. But that's what I'm saying. When somebody's driving fast in front of me, me being a narcissist, apparently, I have to, <laughs> I have to say, like, as whatever, I can just go around them. Doesn't matter. Even if they are like, I know who you are. Yeah. And I know You're that Josh you hate Clark, being driven slow in front of. <laughs> it really changes nothing. No. We're still going 70, 80 miles an hour down a highway mm-hmm. in metal boxes, which means safety first, no matter what. Yeah. So do you get up in front of them and then do the old, uh, douse them with your, uh, windshield wiper fluid? <laughs> no, I don't do that. Um, I've seen people do that before. Like, all right, I guess I got to turn on my wipers for a second now. I uh, I've never taken that as a hostile act, although I'm sure uh, people do. It's do a that. thing. I've seen people do that. Yeah. They'll like someone will cut you off and they'll get in front on the highway and, <laughs> and squirt their because it'll blow over the car at a high speed. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Children basically acting like children. I will. Um, I I have gotten to the point now. I've gotten way better, Chuck. I really am, am have learned to just keep my aggressive driving in check. Yeah. Um and just let it go. Let yeah. it go and like I'll there'll be a spark there but I'm oh, yeah. I've gotten to a point where I can be like it eh, eh, it doesn't matter. Just go around them. Bite your lip. Right. Until it bleeds, yeah. <laughs> until the teeth work their way all the way through. I see you come in in the morning, so you're just, like, <laughs> just bleeding. bloody in the face. But if it's really bad, if somebody is clearly just being like an arrogant jerk, like this is my fast lane too, my taxes paid for this, I don't have to get around you, and it's yeah. a real thing. I, I've got this thing now where as I'm passing them, I'll pass them slowly <laughs> and calmly what? and everything's wait. safe. Uh-huh. But I'll just be like staring forward yeah. with this huge overbite. <laughs> Like Cletus right. the slack-jawed yokel. Exactly. And it works really great. That's pretty good. And it feels pretty good to me, too. It feels more clever than, like, shooting someone the bird, you yeah. know? anyone can throw out a middle finger. Sure. Unless, I guess, you don't have the middle finger. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, that's a problem. So the final bit, the final category is recklessness and road rage, and that's when it escalates to full-on violence. Like, that's I'm going to use my car as a weapon, or I have a weapon. Yeah, and this same Pacific Standard article... Um, referenced a, a, an article in the journal, sexy, sexy journal, um, Accident Analysis and Prevention. Yeah, from Harvard. And found that um, the presence of a gun increases uh, road rage and aggressive driving behavior. Like, even if it, even if the person doesn't pull it out, just knowing it's in the glove compartment yeah. makes them more likely to be hostile. Yeah, it says they're more likely to make obscene gestures at motorists and follow aggressively behind other cars. And they're saying, does that mean that you have a gun, you are going to drive more aggressively? They can't say that, of course. Or do you, or are, or if you're an uh, aggressive driver, you're just more likely to be the same type of person to have a gun. Right. Exactly. Interesting study, though, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that same guy actually, what's his name? Uh, or this other dude, Emil, uh, Kakaro. He's a, or Kakaro. He's a professor. Probably Kakaro. Kakaro. <laughs> He's a professor at uh, University of Chicago, and he makes a great point. He, his advice is, don't assume the other person is like you. Yeah. Like, they may be crazy. Don't assume they don't have a gun. Yeah. Don't assume that they're rational and reasonable and that, like, it can stop escalating at some point. Yeah, that's what I tell Emily all the time. I'm like, I trust you. I said, but you don't, you don't know if you flick someone off. Like, that may be it for you, and yeah. that would really be upsetting if I lost you to road rage because you hung some crazy guy a bird. Seriously. Like, that's the most senseless, one of the more senseless ways to die. Wouldn't you say? Yes. Okay. Which <laughs> leads, five. Which leads, <laughs> definitely <laughs> up there, which leads to uh, preventing road rage, Chuck, which we're going to talk about right after this. All right, Josh, we've we vented a lot here today. I know. Even though they say that's not healthy. No. <laughs> I do feel a catharsis, though. Boy, pair this with our traffic podcast, and that's, that's driving goodness. That was the breaking bubble. <laughs> yeah, the break well, bubble. Yeah. 
So uh, how can you avoid road rage? Everyone makes mistakes behind the wheel. Um, you can, and actually, there was a little sidebar in here about these guys that came up with a uh, vehicle signaling system. To, yeah. To say, I'm sorry. It's yeah. not a bad idea. No, because horns, depending on the horn in your car, yeah. it can sound aggressive itself, even when you do not mean it that way. Yeah, even a tap, tap. Yeah. With the wrong horn sounds like honk, honk. Yep. But, or uh, like, brrrr. Yeah. That like, wouldn't be a bad idea to have a little light that pops up that says, sorry. And then if they don't forgive you, another one that pops up. This is, I said I was sorry. <laughs> one last chance. <laughs> but people will figure out how to use those sarcastically. Yeah. Like cutting someone off and slamming on the brakes while flashing I'm sorry. Yeah. Someone will, someone would use it like that. I would have three lights. One that says I'm sorry. Two that said I just said I was sorry. And three that says you're dead to me. <laughs> right. And then they would have one that says, I don't care. But then, like, the to me would burn out without you knowing it. It would just say, you're dead. Yeah. They'd go, oh, God, the road rage killer. All right. So everyone makes mistakes. Oh, hold on. I did read an article about, I think, a Ford um, executive who's in charge of the horn. Oh, really? It's like trying to figure out how to make different types of horns. So, like, in Europe, apparently, they have uh, different types of horns available to them. Yeah. That wasn't just Europe. That was Europe in 1910 that you just did. So what are you saying? It can become like when you go to buy a car, you say, I want this kind of horn? Yeah, or you it comes equipped with a horn that has different functions and capabilities oh. for different situations. Yeah, that's a great idea. Like supposedly Tesla has one that's like m- muted for use with pedestrians so you don't scare the, the bejesus out of them. Yeah, sure. Um, so there's... There's other ones like a chirping one that's supposed to be friendlier. Right. And then there's the uh, the, the semi-truck air horn, which you can get it put in your car. <laughs> that liquefies your yeah. ear canal. Yeah. My problem was with uh, rental cars. Their horns are always lame. Oh, yeah. They're tiny. Like not even much of a sound. Supposedly, Hyundai released the Sonata and like... It was a great car, but everybody hated the horn because they f- they found it to be too wimpy. Yeah. So they had to, like, re-release it with a better horn. I believe it. Um, do you remember, did you watch uh, Little Miss Sunshine? No, I never saw it. It's a good movie. There's a running gag that their old uh, beat-up VW van has a, a horn that will go off occasionally just without. Mm-hmm. But it sounded exactly like my old VW Beetle had a horn that was like, and it would cut in and out and it would for a time whenever I took a hard left turn it would it, it would, would go off wow but it wasn't loud it was just like it sounded like a dying person gasping for air a really. death rattle yeah a death rattle horn um that's a good movie you should check that out death rattle well that death rattle 2 and 3 <laughs> and then little miss sunshine gotcha you should check out pay it forward to see why you should stop saying pay it forward <laughs> I have no desire um, all right, so everyone makes mistakes. Back to that. Yeah. But you can avoid this uh, escalation and conflict if a you don't uh, you don't do the eye contact deal. They say that's like just like a wild animal. Don't look him in the eyes. Yeah. Or wait, I thought they said do look him in the eyes to mm. stare him down. Mm-hmm. No, I think it depends uh, on what animal. Yeah. All right. Like if it's a rat, stare it down. Okay, but it's a sign of aggression. You yeah. pull up someone and you look them hard in the eye. That's you're like, saying you're on. Yeah, exactly. Let's um, rumble. Keep control of your temper. That's a no-brainer. Um, someone. It they, is a no-brainer, but that's tough to do. It is at tough that to do. situation. It is, especially if your justice bells are ringing like mine do. Right. Like that person shouldn't get away with this. <laughs> right. Like lady you in front of me taught a lot. Should not get have gotten away with that. Right. All right. Uh, they did, have done surveys even that showed that drivers don't. Think that they're being, they think they're being assertive and not aggressive. So that basically there can be a lot of mixed, uh, communication. And your goal is to just, I don't care what they're doing. I'm not going to match what they're doing. Right. Makes you, sense. It's also called being the bigger person. Yeah. You know, just let it, let it go. Don't let them make you hit the gas pedal. Just think about all the gas you'll save by not driving aggressively in, in, in return. Yeah. And Strickland points out that will seem, Un- unnatural to you even yeah. to just say, you know what? They're driving like that. It's not my problem. They're they're a sad, angry person. Well, he also points out that they're probably under as much stress as you are. Yeah, they may be late. Because apparently um, in follow-ups to um, 
to aggressive driving incidents and road rage incidents, people frequently say they were all, they were under stress outside of their car already, work stress, yeah. life stress, that kind of stuff, right? So it, when you carry that into the extraordinarily stressful, unnatural situation of driving a car, especially in traffic, um, it can it can also you're just already set up for it. Yeah. So if you step back and think maybe that person's having a rough time in their life, it will make it easier for you to just let it go. Yeah. And Agreed. be the bigger person. Yeah. It's a win-win. And we've all been there. And I think you you can admit, like, if you're just having a great day and everything's coming up, Josh, you're probably much more laid back behind the wheel. Sure. You know, but if you're super uptight about something, you, I think all of us fall into that trap, you know? Yeah. So, so there are steps you can take to prevent falling into that trap. There's one in here that cracks me up but is totally true. Listening to relaxing music. Yeah. I listen to easy listening music. Uh-huh. Like basically radio lobotomy. Yeah. And it actually helps quite a bit. Really? Yeah. He says concentrate on breathing. I can't do that. Yeah, I mean that's a I good. get bored anytime I try to just focus on my breathing. Yeah. You're either good at that or you're not. Right. So uh I've opted for relaxing music instead. Uh he recommends to get enough sleep. Um I guess that makes sense. Here's one that's you have to give yourself plenty of time to where you're going. Sure. Don't leave late and expect to just have a pleasurable ride. Right. Um, right. You just can't. You know, no. You it's expect impossible. the worst. Mm-hmm. Expect that, you know, and if you show up five minutes early, whatever. That's yeah. fine. Um, people love punctual people. That's nice, right? Um, if you, if it's out of your hands, though, then you should say, okay, I'm going to be like, not, oh, God, I need to cut through all this. Yeah. Which is kind of like Yumi is rolling on the ground laughing right now hearing me say that. Yeah. Because I'm like, we have to go to the airport. First of all, we have to leave two and a half hours before our flight. Yeah. And I have to drive like a maniac on the way to get there. Yeah. Even if we have plenty of time. Yeah, travel Because there's a flight. Yeah. Sure. You got a deadline. Yeah. You don't want to miss that flight. Nope. I get it. I get super stressed with uh, when I know I have to fly that day. Yeah. Because you don't know... You can look at the traffic map, but sometimes it feels like you can't leave early enough. Right. You know? I've actually gotten a lot more relaxed on that, too. Now that I think about it, Yumi's like this little walking volume for me, right? She's That's totally great. chilled me out in traffic. <laughs> yeah. She's chilled me out about, like, missing a flight and all yeah. that stuff. So, yeah, I have chilled out tremendously. But I still do drive aggressively sometimes. That's right. I'm I, a work in progress, Chuck. I do, too, my friend. It happens. Uh, and we've already talked about avoiding venting. Um, that can actually uh, increase your sense of danger and frustration instead of calming you down. Yeah. And, you're, and they're screaming and yelling. That That is really not alleviating anything. You know? I do know. Uh, I can tell you afterward, whenever I do it, I feel terrible about myself. Yeah. Like, I was just like, why didn't you just let that go? Now, yeah. you, you look like a jackass to anybody who saw you, like, going, Aah. And um, you feel like a jackass, too, don't you? Yeah. Yes, I do. That's what I say to myself. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a few statistics here to close, shall we? Oh, wait. There's Dr. Driving does point out one thing that I think is probably right. What's that? One of the best ways to deal with road rage, to prevent road rage, is to teach little kids from an early age oh, yeah. how to drive safely, how to avoid road rage, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I remember going to Safety City. Did you ever go to Safety City or have you ever heard of it? Never heard of it. It might have just been like an Ohio thing. Okay. But um, We had Danger City. It was <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Nice. That sounds kind of fun. Yeah. Um, Safety City was the opposite of that. There were dangers there, but it was all like plastic miniature stuff. So like there was a jail in the center of town and like Wait, a little what is tiny it, street. It's like a, a tiny city. Okay. Um with like streets and sidewalks and all that stuff and then buildings and all that. And then you're on your big wheel riding around learning what traffic laws are like. Really? So it's to teach kids how to drive? Yes, but also how to cross the street safely, wow. all that stuff. But you learn about the danger of walking out in front of a car by being a car yourself and having one of your peers walk out in front of you. And like that's the first cool. couple of times you try to run them down, but then you learn like, no, that's not cool because they send you to jail. Was that part of school? I don't remember what it was. I was pretty young. I just remember my dad taking me to it and yeah. it being like a decent drive away from our home. Yeah. So I'm not exactly sure where it was when I went to it. I just remember it was, I got to bring my big wheel and I thought it was pretty great. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny to think about 
parents of, uh, and it still happens today, but it seems like in the seventies and stuff, like what was going on in the car was like, Oh man, far from uh, teaching experience. Yeah. We were looking at like old, um, child safety seats. Yeah. They looked like they were worse than nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like the, this metal bar. That would just cut you in two if you hit it, like, fast enough. I mean, like, these things couldn't have been safe. Like an old rusty spring, like, pointed at your temple. Yeah. Just bad news. Yeah, I got a, you know, I mistakenly flew in on this last tour to Baltimore instead of Washington, D.C. So I had to take a cab. I was going to take, like, a bus and a train. But I was like, no, I'm running late. I need to get in a cab. Yeah. And I got in a cab to go from Baltimore to D.C., and it was the grumpiest, oldest cab driver I've ever met in my life. Yeah. This guy was in his mid-70s and immediately started honking at the cab in front of him at the airport to oh, get out yeah. of the way. They do that. And, dude, this it was the perfect guy for what I needed because he drove like a bat out of Hades right. to get me there on time. Yeah. And uh, it was it was comical and scary and awesome. Yeah. Did you have your seatbelt on? Uh, yeah. 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 People who don't put their seatbelt on because they're in a cab, it's it's like, use your brain. Yeah. I used to not wear much in the back seat, but I've gotten better about that. Yeah, you need to. Yeah. I always figure, like, I'll just hit the seat in front of me, right? <laughs> Maybe so, but you might go flying over the seat and kick the person in the front seat to death. Yeah. It's not just you. Kick him to death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can we talk stats? <laughs> yeah. You dug out this, uh, Cities uh, that are the most courteous and least courteous. Yeah, the of last year Auto Vantage survey. They did one in 2009. And they did one in 2014. And this varies from year to year, but uh, in 2014, they listed uh, Houston, Texas, our own Atlanta, number two least courteous. <laughs> Baltimore, uh, D.C., and Boston as least courteous. Right. Uh, and that changed from 2009, which was uh, New York, Dallas, Detroit, Atlanta. The only holdover was Atlanta right, and uh, Minneapolis, which surprises me. Yeah, and then how the mighty have fallen. Baltimore in 2009 was the third most courteous. In 2014, it was the third least courteous out of like 25 major cities. It makes me wonder what kind of study this is, to be honest. So it, they su- they surveyed 2,500 drivers yeah. who drive in rush hour traffic at least three times a week. And then ask them questions that pertain to, like, aggressive driving and yeah. driving courtesy. Not terrible. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it was a phone survey, and I, each participant spent about six minutes or whatever. But, um, I mean, it's about as legitimate as this, these kind of things get because yeah, it's can. the study of road rage. And yeah. apparently <laughs> no one's serious about it. Uh, except most... Dr. Driving. <laughs> and he can't even be serious enough to just call himself Dr. James. Well, he used to be Mr. Driving, so he's definitely taking it a little more serious. Um, <laughs> he went back to school. Most courteous cities uh, last year were Portland is number one, uh, Pittsburgh, St. Louis. But Portland was also number one in 2009. Yeah, so they're, they're chill people out there. Yeah. That's been my experience. Uh, Portland, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, San Francisco, and Charlotte, North Carolina is the most courteous cities. So how about that? Yep. You got anything else? Uh, there, I, no, one thing I did see though, I was surprised, um, Strickland cites a study that found that women and men are pretty close in aggressive driving behaviors, self-reported aggressive driving and road rage yeah. experiences. It was like 54% of men, but 44% of women. Yeah. I would have guessed the, the disparity would have been a little more, but apparently road rage strikes both genders equally. I definitely see angry women out there. Um, yeah. And angry dudes. It's both. Yeah. Yep. So that's Road Rage, dude. Uh-huh. If you guys want to know even more about Road Rage, uh, type those words into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. Yeah, and if we didn't impart it, settle down out there. It's dangerous. Yeah. We're all trying to get by here. Everybody's got their own life stresses that they're bringing yeah. to the road. Be a little more courteous. They didn't mean it to you personally, so don't take it personally. Yeah. Josh <laughs> and Chuck and Jerry have seen her drive. Oof. Oh, yeah. I've never seen Jerry drive. Is she like an aggressive driver? No. Jerry drives very safely. From oh, what okay. I remember. She takes crazy routes. I remember that. Like, I've cut through this parking lot because this light stinks. And <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, but I think I that's what you mean, the Jerry. commute route. She has just, she had mastered it from, uh, <laughs> from Buckhead. <laughs> I will do that too. Oh, yeah, me too. Um, 
All right, I'm going to call this uh, wow signal from a pro. Oh, cool. Hey, guys, I'm a radio astronomer. And cool. actually, yeah, right? Actually, my subfield is radio transients, i.e., radio signals detected once and never again. Wait, is this person going to debunk the wow signal right here? No, it's actually a nice email. Okay, good. Uh, I felt like I had to write in about the wow signal. I'm really glad I listened to the episode. She almost didn't. Uh, because you guys really did a great job nicely balancing the science and speculation. So thank you. And when I get asked in the future, I'll be sure to refer people to your wonderful coverage. Well, thank you. Uh, I thought I'd give a few more details on it if you're interested. Um, on the it might be real side of things, it's also worth mentioning that the Big Ear Telescope used to look at two points on the sky at the same time, separated by a small distance, like two separate pixels. The wow signal was detected in one, but not the other, which is another good indication that it might indeed be coming from space. On the it might be nothing side, however, some recent work that I've done actually showed that some uh, unexplainable signals that we detected at a radio telescope in Australia turned out to be coming from microwave ovens at the telescope site. <laughs> uh, man-made signals can sometimes interfere with radio telescopes in ways we don't expect. So it's hard to know if something like that could have also produced a wow signal. Huh. Uh, it's hard to say either way. I don't have a strong opinion, to be honest. I mainly study things called fast radio bursts. But I just wanted to say great job and thanks for making my job easier. Rock on. Thank you, Rock on. And that is from Emily Petroff, originally oh. from Portland. Thank you, Emily. Oh, courteous driver, probably. Now living in Melbourne? I don't know about Melbourne's driving. And moving to the Netherlands in January, if I pass my PhD defense in October. Oh, man, good luck, Emily. Way to go. I, I hope to see you in the Netherlands, or, you know, that she in makes my mind. Ne- yeah. Gotcha. Uh, if you want to tell us that we did a fantastic job on something that you're an expert in, we'd love to hear from you. For right? a change. Yeah. Uh, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to selfpodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And in the meantime, you can hang out with us at our super dope home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 